If you have ever been curious about Dungeons and Dragons, or the people who play it, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ready Set Roll Insight, where you will learn how to be a better player and what drew people to the game in the first place. Now, join us for Insight with your host, Daniel Wells. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ready, Set, Roll, Insight. I am your host, Daniel Wells. And with me today is a, another special guest from another podcast, um, Sarah from uh, Redgate and Wolf, a live play podcast of Monster of the Week. Hello. Hiya. Um, she is the one who runs the game, um, and it's run very well, I might add. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself? Oh, a little bit about me. <laughs> Let's see. Well, from the accent, you guys know I'm not American. I'm actually from New Zealand, the land of hobbits and, um, you know, all, all your favorite actors, I guess. <laughs> um, I've just turned 40, so I'm one of... Probably, I think I'm older than you. I think you've been complaining about just being 30 and, and all of your sore back aches and stuff recently. I'm not even 30 yet. It's just I threw out my <gasps> back, out, back out. <laughs> oh, I haven't even done that yet. I, I feel pretty young. You're, you're a few steps ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, let's see. Who am I? Um, well, I'm a writer, an RPGer. Um, uh, a reader, a cross-stitcher, a lover of dice, who isn't a fan of the clicky clackies. And, um, yeah, I've uh, been to various countries around the world, um, but I mostly play online because New Zealand is pretty far away, especially during these COVID times. And also in a very interesting time zone. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, at the moment we're plus 12 GMT. We just left plus 13, so. So that's, oh gosh, um, I don't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just used to that. So um, I believe it's nine o'clock in the evening for you, so one o'clock in the afternoon for me. Oh. On a Monday. Oh. Hopefully I'm not keeping you from work or anything. No, self-employed here, so I make my own hours. Nice. Uh, Well, tell me a bit about your tabletop uh, experience. Like, how many years have you been in the tabletop gaming stake? Uh, Tabletop itself, not very long. Probably about just under five years. Uh, Role-playing, though, I started back when I was probably 19 or 20, so at the turn of the century, which sounds a really, really long time ago, and probably to you it is. Um, I started off in a Star Trek role-playing game, which was a written play-by-post one, and I did that for several years. And incidentally, that's where I met Sean, one of the players on the Red Gate and Wolf podcast. Oh. Um, he had never watched Star Trek, but he ended up participating. Um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> never once a Trekkie threw himself his hat in and uh, 
Yeah, yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, he was kind of like, what's this? Oh, writing. I can get on board with writing. Um, yeah, so that was probably 15 years ago that he and I met and started creating together. Um, after that, I think the first hint of Dungeons & Dragons I really learned about was through Acquisitions Incorporated. There's just something about Christopher Perkins that is is just... Uh, yeah, really attractive in the whole storytelling and and getting into the whole world building thing that uh, really spoke to me, I guess. And that and the fun that he was having with the players, Scott Kurtz and the guys from Penny Arcade that um, just found really entertaining. But it was a little while after that before I actually got to play my first game. Um, One of the guys that I was on a self-publishing podcast with uh, played D&D and he offered to set up a game for me. So I pulled together Sean, who had apparently played years ago in high school, uh, my husband and a friend of uh, mine locally in New Zealand as well. So we were an American, three New Zealanders and one Canadian playing over Google Hangouts. <laughs> Sounds and that was pretty right. fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but that didn't last very long, unfortunately. People had to go to various different things because life. Um, after that, we'd also gotten into Critical Role, which is probably, a, for a lot of people, uh, their first introduction to Dungeons & Dragons, especially the the people who've just started playing recently. And totally fell in love with that. So I decided... Um, well, I can't find anyone to play with, so I'll just run my own D&D campaign and hopped onto Roll20. And since I was new to D&D, I said I wanted to play with other people who were new to D&D and we would all learn together. There so, were two reasons for that. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was um, I wanted to help other people get into D&D and learn as well. And the other reason was I had very little confidence in my ability to run or play this game. So I didn't want people to be constantly going, hmm, she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> How many successful games have you ran? Um, like from start to finish. Define successful from start to finish? Yes, oh, okay. That is, that um, is quote unquote. Like you can have fun <laughs> and everything, but like a complete closing on a chapter is kind of hard to do in D&D. Anybody can admit that. I've been told this, but my experience has been um, most games I've been a part of have um, made it to completion, actually. Wow. Um, not just the ones I've run either. I've been in a couple of um, campaigns that have gone from beginning to end. So I'm like, oh, your experience is very different to my experience. This is interesting. I wonder why. Yeah, because I've been in multiple games, but only like five of them ever completed. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it, people's attentions wane, right? Or life moves on and they move on to or some sort of struggle happens in the group and it just oh, it kind of falls apart. It's unfortunate, but... It happens a lot for me, but for you, um, congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's because of my involvement or just because of the people all in the game and their commitment and their availability and the the interest and the interactions. So I can't tell you what the secret source is there. Just that my experience has been more often than not, we'll play the whole campaign. And not just the whole campaign, 
Um, the game that I'm running at the moment, which um, I'm playing running tomorrow, is a weekly game with Sean and Celeste and a number of other people. We've been at it for over three, year, three years. We've started with Lost Mine of Fandalva. Mm-hmm. Did probably half of Tumen of Annihilation before I said, actually, I'm bored with this. Can we play Curse of Strahd instead? And they were like, yeah, sure. So we played Curse of Strahd, all of that. Um, they failed in the end, which was epically fun and hilarious <laughs> just because one of them decided to run away and screw everyone else over at the end. Um, <laughs> um, and then after that, I decided to do my first homebrew. I was like, nope, this is it. We're, we're going to make something ourselves. And um, that's been running over a year. So I hope to f- this is actually the longest one I've run, to be perfectly honest. I, I'm not sure where it's going to end, but the, basically the premise was, you guys are part of a prophecy. But either you're the bad guys in the prophecy or the good guys in the prophecy. No one really knows. And there's one faction rooting for you to be the bad side and another faction rooting for you to be the good side. So far, they've fucked everything up and brought back an evil dead god. So, yeah, fun times. (laughs) Sometimes the players can get into some wacky things. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially with Celeste and Sean. These these guys have um, an, an interesting player relationship, some really good player chemistry there, and we'll just play off each other uh, until really weird shenanigans ensue. I have really felt that while listening to um, Redgate and Wolf with all three of you in there, and you're guiding the story, but they're bouncing off of each other. Um which, speaking of Redgate and Wolf, how did that end up coming about? Um, I'm actually part of another Monster of the Week podcast called Untitled Dice Game. And I believe you guys interviewed Mike about that last year, maybe October. Yes. I remember that. And I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is really fun, but I want more of this. And I want to run it. So I approached Sean and Celeste. Um, from the D&D group and asked them, actually, I invited the whole group to do a one-shot of Monster of the Week. Um, Sean and Celeste were the only two available at the time. So we ran that and I ran the Untitled Dice Games Grandmother's Nursery um, Mystery, which is full of spiders. And Sean is terrified of spiders. And so I always put spiders in my campaigns, (laughs) even if they're not in the, you know, in the module or whatever. And they had a really good time, and I had a really good time. And um, they played with their characters from Redgate and Wolf, actually. This is is what they started with. They had Marie Redgate and Sean's character, um, Angus McRae, the the Scottish werewolf. (laughs) But he did not do the accent. Oh, so in the, like, episode zero, they kind of, there was no accent going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, do you guys want to turn this into a podcast, like what I'm doing with Untitled Dice Game? And Celeste was actually a listener of Untitled Dice Game, so she knew what I was talking about. Sean, however, was, what's a podcast? <laughs> Which is funny, because he's actually been on a podcast before. He just forgot about it. 
I think he was just being obtuse on purpose because uh, even uh, though we started recording the podcast, he was still, what's a podcast? <laughs> so, yeah, so we just, <laughs> oh, yes, I think you may have noticed he has a habit of repeating back what I say, but in character for him. Oh, it's very frustrating. But I know he does it on purpose to get to me. So this is just uh, to show your listeners what kind of interaction I have with my players here. We all kind of give each other uh, good, uh, good-natured good um, shit, basically. Well, I got to say my favorite part so far of your show is the fact that your characters are in that town of Hendrix. Um, a lot of Jimi Hendrix references. Uh, oh, yes. along with you doing a southern accent and your American player doing a Scottish accent. And our Canadian playing an American, yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. Very. Uh, wait, wait until you hear my imp character. Oh, that's a voice. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've only gotten to, like, episode three. I ha- have you introduced any other players yet, or is it just going to be the three of you going through this uh, adventure? We've actually invited on a couple of guests. So from episodes four to seven, we have um, Rosie, who's from Untitled Dice Game. I've just decided to pull out a couple of friends from there to come on as a occasional guest. So he, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but... Um, he insisted we turn the video on while recording. And over the years, I have never turned the video on while recording with Sean and Celeste. So this was um, an experience, let's just say. Well, it, it can be a bit uncomfortable sometimes, you know, just finally seeing each other a little bit face-to-face and talking and seeing our mannerisms splayed out in front of other people. So I, I know that feeling very well. Yeah, um, I mean, Untitled Dice Game is the first time I've actually played with the video on. So that's what me and Rosie were used to, but it wasn't something I was used to with Sean and Celeste. So it was the first time I've actually seen Celeste, so that was a, that was interesting. She's, you know, quite a cute little, little um, dark-haired girl, um, very shy, which <laughs> we found out when we brought a guest on as she constantly giggled. <laughs> That's always fun. Oh, yes, especially because Rosie just loves to hear girls giggle, so he was purposely hamming it up for her. Um, So with the show being ran under Monster of the Week, uh, how do you enjoy Monster of the Week, by the way? Because I know it's very much a more narrative-based RPG, which I feel like since you do a lot of role-playing would fit nicely with you. Mm, mm, yeah, um, like I said, Sean and Celeste, we've been playing together for a long time. Uh, Sean is overly wordy uh, with the Britain word and the spoken word sometimes. So, um, and Celeste, like I said, is, is really good at, at bouncing off whatever Sean gives her or whatever she dishes out to Sean can be quite hilarious as well. So I just let them loose and just... Um, step in when something needs to happen um, narratively. Um, but yeah, but it's predominantly them driving the story, basically. Um, for my listeners personally, 
what are some difficulties getting into Monster of the Week and what could hold them back from really enjoying it if they don't figure it out quickly? If they don't figure it out quickly. Like, hmm. say, um, um, best opinion is uh, getting used to the die system, maybe understanding the playbooks. As a as Oh, a well, hobby. yeah. The playbooks are actually much more simpler than what you get with Dungeons & Dragons. So coming to it from 5e, um, it's probably easier than any of the other ones because there's a bit more emphasis on role-play in 5e, so that's a, a little bit easier to translate over. But basically, it's, it's pretty similar in terms of you just narrate what it is you're doing, and the keeper is what the GM is called in, in this system, will tell you what dice to run, uh, to, to roll, sorry. So instead of the six main stats, you've just got the five stats, which are tough, sharp, um, charm, cool, and uh, tough, sharp, sorry. the last one I always forget. Tough? Weird, oh, weird. weird, that's weird. it. Uh, yeah, and weird is generally the catch-all for anything monstery or magical. So instead of having a huge list of spells to pick from, you get a, a list of effects. So if you roll well enough, you can pick what you want to do. So it's there's a lot more creati creativity and flexibility in there. It's only basically stunted, not really stunted, but limited by your your imagination as opposed to having like chill touch. But you can flavor the spells in Monster of the Week to sort of be like chill touch if that's what you really want. So you start off with um, everyone has the same basic moves, which are basically you've got, like, if you want to inflict harm, it's kick some ass. So you <laughs> roll tough in that instant. I love it every time somebody just says, uh, roll for <laughs> kick some ass. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess we should explain how the, the rolling works because you roll 2d6 and depending on what um, move you're doing will depend on which stat you're adding to it, basically. So if you the total that you roll is 10 or over, you basically do exactly what it is you set out to do. If you roll between 7 and 9, it's a mixed success, so it might happen the way a, a little bit the way you want, but there's also drawbacks and negatives and consequences that could happen as well. Anything below a six, you have missed. You have failed, and sometimes it can be epically, depending on what the hell's going on in the story. And you get to mark experience. Oh, yeah. Marking experience is how you level up. So if you fail, you apparently get better because in character, narratively, you should be learning from these things. Yeah, you learn from your failures, right? <laughs> I scraped my knee. Yeah. I guess I'll learn not to do that again until you do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the dice pretty much are um, very fickle and it's, I guess, a bit more... Mm, I think it's a bit more interesting, the whole sliding scale of how well it is uh, you do based on the dice. So it is interesting to be able to um, maybe get 
what they intended to do to happen, but there is also some kind of consequence or something that they may or may not find out uh, immediately or it might bite them in the ass later on kind of deal. Well, it's essentially like you're shooting craps, right? Gotta, I wouldn't know. I don't gamble. Um, I, don't, I don't gamble either. I just know the concept of the game from a buddy. But basically you roll the die, and if you land a seven, hey, that's good, and you keep rolling until you get certain dice. But 2d6, law of averages, you know, you're going to get the middle of the road every time, which is that mm -hmm. you succeed, but you get the wacky side of the success. Mm -hmm. And um, just... Yeah, uh, I think even more than what you expect in D and D is is the 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 more interesting results because of these roles. There's just more ways that it can go other than just succeeding at hitting the guy in the face or missing the guy completely. There's more flavor and and yeah, just just hilarity can ensue basically depending on how you're playing the game of course but with these guys it's hilarity so let's face it a little bit more spice on your meat and potatoes <laughs> uh well i guess the next question that i really have um is where do you see the show going uh for you and your players or um you know narratively um listenership all that stuff I really haven't looked too far in the future for planning. At the moment, this is just something we're doing for fun. We hope to obviously grow the listenership, maybe make enough money to cover the costs. More <laughs> would be great, but, you know. Um, in terms of the story, I really have no idea. Unfortunately for my players, I'm more of a seat-of-the-pants kind of creator, so... I don't really plan things down in advance. It really is dependent on what these chuckleheads do. Just saying, the ghost of Jimi Hendrix. That's entirely possible. <laughs> I'm sure Meadow, the Jimi Hendrix-loving bartender of the Watchtower Tavern, would not have a problem with this. Got the, they've got the Jimi Hendrix first guitar that holds his spirit inside. Oh, uh, if that were to happen, I think it would be at the Stratos Inn Chapel with Father Barry. I mean, that guy loves his electric guitar. Can I say I just love Meadow as a NPC? Oh, thank you. I made her up on the spot. Hello. <laughs> I just, um, I'll be there in a minute. And I just, she just so like in the moment as well as I believe you really made that character and from hearing you today from yourself a little bit just oh, living, it, just living in the moment and enjoying her time I guess I just I kind of <laughs> went with the whole Jimi Hendrix theme from you know what was he back in the 60s 70s so I just immediately went flower child that doesn't realize she's living in the 2020s and not in the 60s anymore so yeah very much a, a child out of place kind of character or out of time rather actually i think i might have missed this but what year is your game setting 
I don't know. I actually haven't decided. Modern times is is the closest we get. Like I said, I do not plan. This is all suit of the pants stuff. Mito doesn't even have a last name. (laughs) Which also means her brother Joel doesn't have a last name. Just Meadow and Joel. um, They just literally changed their names to Meadow and Joel and just dropped the last name. It's too restrictive. I pretty much... Yeah, I pretty much think Meadow is her actual first name, though. I, I think, yeah, I think her parents did give her that name. Got Actually, it. she's named after Sean. That's uh, that's part of his last name is Meadow. Oh, that's that. Now that's an interesting piece of lore right there, too. It's actually a couple more too, because when we first started, I said to Celeste and Sean, I said. Give me the name of a friend and I'll make an NPC character out of them. And Celeste immediately went, Joel, because that's the name of her partner. And she said, and make sure it's a really dumb character. And I was like, I don't know what that says about your thoughts on your partner there, Celeste. But she assured me that he would find it funny. (laughs) Unfortunately, I didn't make him a dumb dumb character. I just gave the name to the first uh, male NPC that they encountered who didn't already have a name. Sounds, and, about, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Sean gave me the name Mater. He actually has a friend who is a sheriff's deputy called Mater. Huh. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he laughed his ass off when Deputy Mater turned up on the scene. <laughs> Look, I won't. I'm not one to judge on making up names on the fly or anything like that. Um, I've literally named places Crosstown and Plainston and stuff like that. (laughs) Oh, no, I I totally understand. And we do have a Crosstown River (laughs) in Hendrix. That's awesome. Uh, Well, do you have any questions for me personally? As we're coming towards Um... the end of the show. I was just wondering um, what your thoughts might be on Monster of the Week. Would that be a game that you would be interested in playing? Oh, 100%. I've um, I've played a lot of various tabletops. I've played um, the Dungeon World uh, games, which are made by Power of the Apocalypse. Played the Deadlands series. That was interesting. I was a doctor who was solving a poltergeist. And, oh. uh, but yeah, no, I... I love any of the tabletop RPG games, honestly. And like any chance I get to play them or do anything, it's a it's a real humdinger of a time. Well, maybe we could get you on Red Gate and Wolf as a guest. <laughs> Hopefully you don't die. No, I'm I'm very boisterous and outgoing in tabletop games. So um. you'll you'll have to deal with my energy whenever I jump into the stage. Well, yep. Rosie, our first guest, has a lot of energy. So I think Celeste and Sean are, are, I guess, prepared for um, a a rather boisterous player. (laughs) They're not that boisterous themselves, actually. (laughs) I think he was a little bit of a shock to their system. But I think they got used to it. So, yeah. We'll we'll, um, see about extending an invitation to you one day then. I hope to see it. Uh, is there anything else you want to uh, say 
uh, before we get into the insight part of insight? I just wanted to circle back to um, a question you asked earlier because I didn't actually finish answering it. Oh, it was about the playbooks. <clears throat> no, that's okay. That's probably my fault. I sometimes get a bit off topic. Um, so there was the basic moves, and I said one example is kick some ass. But each playbook, which I guess you could liken to a class, also has their own special moves that they can do. Um, and you usually pick a, a few of them when you start, and as you fail um, on your rolls and gain experience, you can pick more of these moves. So an example of um, a special move, I guess, would be... Um, Hmm, it's a good example. Maybe Celeste's character, Marie. She has um, one move, which is she can um, summon a bound imp from an imp stone, which is an artifact that she's somehow picked up along the way in the, in the story. So to do that, she has to roll to use magic, which is a weird roll. And um, yeah, if she succeeds well enough, the imp will pop out of the imp stone and do her bidding. If not, uh, bad things happen. Yeah. I could only imagine what sort of damage an imp could cause on a bad roll. <laughs> well, she hasn't rolled badly yet, so <laughs> we'll hopefully find out soon. Um, has any of your players used their luck stat yet? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I believe in the first few episodes, they've probably used one each. And when a player expends a luck spot uh, point, what they're basically doing is, oh, oh, dang, I've failed a roll, but I really, really want to succeed on it. So I'll spend luck to get the success roll. And each time they spend a luck point, um, a special uh, consequence, I guess you could say, kicks in at some point in the story. For Celeste, the crooked special move is basically someone from her past turns up she's actually spent uh at the time of us recording this um i think it's two luck points so we've only had one person from her past turn up so far but i um i'm looking forward to introducing another person from her past in um our next recording actually now this is something interesting because i didn't know that uh I thought the luck was just a free get out of jail free card, but you only have seven of them. Uh, There's a yeah, actual uh, consequence to using luck. Well, it's not really consequence. It's more there's a narrative um, thing that will happen because for some people, when they use spend their luck, um, something beneficial might happen. So for the mundane, I think it's you find something that could be helpful to the story it might not be helpful immediately or whatever but it could be later on in the story you, you don't know you just find a thing the mundane's got to be the funniest class because they're just literally <sighs> there like scooby-doo and shaggy almost right they just don't yeah <laughs> they'd rather turn although away. yeah yeah oh no it really depends on who you play them because they could be the totally eager oh, i really want to help you guys kind of character that always ends up getting captured by the monster or always gets lost or whatever but they could also be the very reluctant character that has also got some kind of skill that could help complement the rest of the party it really depends on how you choose to play them because they're very 
flexible, even though they're based on a typical archetype from the genre of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So your examples there are Xander and Cordelia. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and also if you spend luck, you've got, like you said, seven points. But once you've spent all seven of them, basically you're doomed. And you're at the mercy of the Keeper and what they decide to do with your character. I I feel like that would be a very terrifying situation, but also narratively interesting. Well, I'm no longer lucky. Yeah. Reminds me of Gladstone from DuckTales. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the re-updated version of the cartoon, uh, he ran mm-hmm. out of I the... haven't seen the last season, but I have seen oh. the first two. You'll, you'll be very interested in what... It's not yet on Disney Plus in New Zealand. What? Boo. Yeah, the joy of being outside of America. Boo. Well, well as it's coming to the end of the, uh, of the interview... Hopefully soon you'll get the third season of DuckTales in New Zealand. But I would also uh, like to come to the part of the show of Insight, where me and my guest give a piece of insight to players that they can carry forth into their next game, be it Monster of the the Week, Dungeons & Dragons, or any other cool gaming system they're into. Um, I can start so you can have a bit of an example. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to spend your resources in a tabletop RPG. Sometimes players can get a little bit conservative with their resources, and at the end of the day, if you didn't use those resources, they're not doing anything for you anyway. So don't don't be afraid to splurge or do anything um, out of bounds. Like, we're talking about the luck, right? You got seven of them. You want to be a little Mm -hmm. conservative. You feel like that you want to be conservative, but you really need to use that sometimes to get through and help your friends. In D&D terms, it's, man, I really don't want to spend that spell slot. Well, you've just ended the quest with all your spells. What good did you do? And that is my insight. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, if you've got fireball, especially, don't be afraid to use that. Yeah, sometimes even if you're nuke. in a small room, and you know, <laughs> sometimes you need a nuke. Just... Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Inside, um, don't be afraid to approach the DM, the keeper, or the GM, whoever's running the game, and um, talk to them about what it is you'd like to see your character um, doing within the campaign, or ask them. Um, what you can do because um, a lot of times I like to, as a DM, approach a player, you know, just as an offside or out of character and say, hey, look, I'm doing a thing. What kind of background does your character have that I can tie into this? Or um, would your character be interested in, you know, poking something with a stick or something? I don't know. Just just be willing to approach and ask to get involved in some what I call evil plotting <laughs> to, to, you know, it just helps 
you get more involved and engaged in the game. And yeah, we just love that as DMs. If if you say, hey, I, I want to get more involved, what is it I can do? Wow, I waffled on about that one. Sorry. No, it's fine because if a DM and a player aren't communicating, you can't really move forward because, well, narratively, you wouldn't be able to move forward because you don't know if you're going off of your player's uh, backstory or not, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the player has to give me information so I can make it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cohesive? Mm. So that they can get the best experience and I can get the best experience. Because I like being a DM because I want to see my players thrive and have a good time. And if they don't tell me what they're wanting, how am I supposed to give them a good time? Yeah, and alternatively, if they don't tell you about what makes them uncomfortable or... Mm you know um anything that you that they're like hey i i don't really um like how you're depicting the drow or you're making um this uh not as fun because of how blah 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 is, is coming across or whatever it is so not only let them know what they're doing good but also what they could possibly work on or improve just don't say, hey, I hate it, how you make the drow like they're um, Australians with, you know, surfer accents or something just because they're down under. <laughs> oh, no. Has that happened? No, I think I just read someone somewhere saying that they're going to make their drow from Australia because they're down under. But, yeah, I thought it was funny. I, I get the pun. It it, it's, it works. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, well, that is all. The, unfortunately, all the time we have uh, for this interview. I wanted to say thank you very much for coming on um, on your tight schedule or not tight schedule. I'm not entirely sure. No, not not tight. <laughs> not tight schedule. <laughs> um, and once again, my guest, uh, you can give an outro on yourself. Uh, any links you have or any future things that you want to talk about. Well, first up, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure to be interviewed. Definitely. Yeah, um, I'm Sarah. I'm the keeper on Redicade and Wolf, and you can find us on any of your favorite podcast catches, hopefully, uh, including Apple and Spotify and all the rest. Uh, our website, if you want more information about us and uh, the characters, is redgateandwolf.com. We're also on Twitter at Redgate and Wolf, funnily enough. Uh, I'm also a player on the Monster of the Week um, RPG Untitled Dice Game, which is untitleddicegame.com if you want to follow us on there. I play two characters. I play Joe Eastwood, the Chosen, uh, who's a 40-year-old adult Buffy who's been widowed, twice divorced, and likes to get drunk and sleep around. (laughs) And I also play Sherry, the 14-year-old spooky character who just um, is so bubbly and gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. So, and talks to ghosts, but yeah. And don't worry, all those those links will be in the show notes below. Awesome. Uh, Once again, thank you all for listening to Ready, Set, Roll, Insight, and have a wonderful night. Bye-bye. Night.